see me right out of the sunset on your color TV screen. Out for all that I can get, if you know what I mean. Tradesman to the left of me, tradesman to the right. Ain't got no gun, ain't got no knife. Don't you start no fight, cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I'll win the fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Mark. Craig right. right. Moore Construction is TNT. back in the house. We are in the new house. Jim, it's, it's good to be back over the holiday break. Uh, Everybody's been yeah. sending me messages going, where are the new shows, man? I got nothing to listen to. I go, well, guys. Just tell everybody that we're, you're in one room. Yes. Mark's in another room. No, no. You're in Toronto. <laughs> I'm in Oakville. He's <laughs> in Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to tell people. We're all being safe. We're all staying away from each other because it is serious out there. But it was a nice little break. Good little break. A lot of stuff happened over the holidays. Got yes. our own cannoli box. We, Mark was kind <laughs> enough to bring some cannolis, which is our amazing from Monastery. And Monastery Bakery in Oakville. In yep. Oakville. And they are tasty, man. So they are tasty. So we are doing a very early morning podcast. So there's no vino. No. <laughs> I feel bad about Maybe it. Maybe later. <laughs> well, that's, your no, that's you got to bring the vino, man. <laughs> I was going to bring mimosas, but you know. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll start doing, we'll do the downtown uh, Brown kind of uh, podcast late in the middle yeah, of the night or something like that. Bag it. <laughs> <laughs> but, so we are back. So we have Mark returning to us. And, and what are we going to talk about today? We want to talk about. Well, I've actually been reaching out to WSIB. I've been actually getting reached out by, uh, I'm going to call them agencies. Oh, wow. You're going to bring up oh. a lot of letters. Oh, huh? yeah. Are you going to bring uh, up a lot of letters? Yeah. And then uh, not a lot of letters. I'm just going to Are we going to get into a lot of heat here? No. No, okay. no we're not. We're going to get into a lot of well, truth. Well, what fun is that then? <laughs> we might get into something. And then I think what I really want to focus on is um, stigmas. And uh, remark stigmas, stigmas in construction. In construction. I and, do like uh, that. Yeah, and uh, you know some some remarketing that I think needs to happen when it comes to trades and the schools. I got a little flack for a Manny Monday I did recently. I don't know yeah. if you saw it, there, Jim, where I was talking about the young females that are dismissing contractors because they drive a van or a pickup truck, and they want them to be driving a much more luxurious yes. vehicle. Oh. And uh, there was a couple of ladies that were offended by what I had to share. Majority of everybody that was chiming in on that po- podcast or that post was on track. They agreed with me. And these guys in their 20s and 30s are getting dismissed by these ladies because we are contractors. Hmm. That's one stigma, but we'll That's talk more about it. So, but uh, in my time, is blue-collar workers. And it's still blue-collar ah. workers. It is. And it's still a very clean living as we know it. Sometimes it's way more above than, average. I know. So That's, let's so let's talk about that then. Yeah, let's get so, into that, so, man. So here's, here's what I got. So I want you to think about something, okay? You see a guy walking down the street, business suit, probably about 500 to 1,000 on a custom, okay? I started pricing out some work clothing just recently. Oh, right. I, oh, I like where <laughs> this, I so, like where this so let's, is going. So let's look at this. Okay, so Black Ladder and Snickers are two brand names in the industry. Okay, you wear that. That's like the Versace. And yeah. they're not cheap. And they, okay, no. so they're here not it is. cheap. Ticket price, 190 to 250 bucks for the pants. For a pair yeah. of pants. For a pair of pants, okay? You talk about shirts. If you want a good working shirt, I think Pearl Timberline is selling them for like 60, 70 bucks. You go in, you start looking at boots that are anywhere from 250 to 300. You put insoles in them, that's another 250, 300. What are we looking at, guys? A thousand bucks. We're a thousand dollar looking tradesperson. A thousand dollars. I'm showing up to your house. 
you have your nice suit on. I have my trades clothes on and you go, this guy's a dirty construction worker that doesn't make any money. Then, then let's go a little bit farther. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. You're okay with somebody saying that? You know what? Say what you want. I mean, I'm so old now. It doesn't matter what they tell me. So (laughs) I love that. I I mean, it's just (laughs) say what you want to say. I go home to where I live and I'm not saying I live in anything fantastic, but we do okay. And a lot of times these guys that show up in their $2,000 suits, you know when you leave their house that you're doing far better than they are. They just got attitude. I think it's more about there is ignorance and unfamiliarity. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So yes. people don't know what black ladder looks like except for trades guys. People don't know what Snickers looks like except for trades guys. Same for Carhartt, Dakota, all these brands, right? We know the brands. We know what they cost, but nobody else does. They just look at the thin set on your jeans or the mud on your boots and they go, that guy might be a little bit less than. And I think that what I would implore, like implore people to do, I think that's the right word, is look into these brands. Understand that when your tradesman shows up with the right tools, with the right gear, that is an investment he's not only making in his company, but himself. Yeah. How many times have you worn the wrong shoes to the wrong event? I'll say, Every, I'll everybody say, knows that. I'll say two things about the workwear, because I'm, I'm particularly a Snickers guy, right? One thing is... They're extremely comfortable. Flexibility, comfortable. I don't know what it's like to wear a chocolate bar. (laughs) (laughs) That was over the holiday break. (laughs) It was a Toblerone, wasn't it? (laughs) No, but they're extremely comfortable. And second thing, I don't have to dry clean them at all. Nope. So these guys spending $2,000 on suits and dress shirts and all kinds of stuff, they have to dry clean that stuff, which is what? Right. I mean, it costs a ton. But wait a second. But let's, for that part of the world of those guys in their $2,000 suits, there's nothing wrong with that either. No. That's what no, they no, do. No. Yeah. And in order to, to be in that business. It's you, the attitude part. So It's the attitude part. So I think what, what you're saying, Jim, if, if I can sort of go off of that point is maybe the way a businessman is viewed in a really nice suit, maybe you should be looking at tradesmen in the exactly. same way. You should be looking at these guys and going, this is what this guy wears to work. Even though what we wear to work looks different, we're still human. Right. You, you know what? I do it too. When I see tradespeople come on a job site and they got track pants. See ya. Yeah. Like I, track pants are the one thing that drives me frigging crazy. For one thing, yeah. the drawstrings are dangerous. Second thing, they don't look, you don't look like a professional. I think it And also, boots that aren't done up. Oh, th- it drives me crazy, man. I think also... I'm a young guy climbing through the ranks and I can tell you that like my wardrobe has changed as I've continued to go up in clientele. When I show up, like I even apologize to my clients sometimes and say, I'm actually showing up in civilian clothes today because they might call me and say, Hey, listen, I need you to take a look at this. And I'll be like, well, I'm in, I'm in my gear. I'm in civilian clothes. So you might not recognize me, but I'll come out and I'll see it because I want to be service driven. Right. But I still think that that needs to happen where it's like, if you see a guy with a tool belt and a hard hat and the high vis with the pants and the boots, you have to look at that and go the same amount of money that has been spent on that rig is the same amount of money as some guy who's a stock trader or a banker walking down the street in Toronto. They're both professionals. They're both professionals. They both want to look good. They both want to be comfortable. Okay. They're probably very respectable. The other thing too is, you know, and then 
Not to mention the tools that we have in the back. I got probably on average, don't break into my truck, three grand worth of tools in yeah. the back of my truck at all times. But in the beginning, you probably started as I did with the least expensive tools just to get started. And yeah, then they yeah, started yeah, falling yeah. apart. And then you started doing your homework and then you gravitated to a specific brand. And then you went with one of the brands. And we all know that all the brands have great tools. Yep. They all have amazing tools. They all have some bad tools as well. But it's whatever brand works for you. But you spent that money. Even over the weekend, I was actually considering finally purchasing a Bosch battery miter, eight and a half. Because mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? It's kind of convenient. Batteries and everything like that. I want to go that route. You spend that money on the tools as well. There's another stigma with construction workers where it's kind of like, I, you know, I, I posted something the other day. The message was... There's vices across every single industry, yeah. not just construction workers. And these days, I would say that there's probably less, a little bit less than what people are expecting in terms of vices. I have a family. I have kids. You know, we have dreams. We have hopes. We have cars we want to buy and stuff like that. We can't go partying all weekend. I mean, that might be for like a younger generation or something like that, but I can't go out, gamble, drink, all that type of stuff, like all weekend and then show up for work on Monday and be respectful. And some then on, do. Some do. And, and th but the thing is, that's across all aspects of industry. That's not just construction. I think oh, it's any job. It's any job. Yeah. But unfortunately, when you look at comedy sketches, animated skits. They memes. totally they, pull. They, they, we are the bad guy. We are the yeah. bad We're the guy standing at the scaffold, hollering down at the woman. They're not thinking, oh my God, these guys are producing multi-million dollar homes and dealing with clients that are highly professional that work in very elite circles. And they go, oh yeah, you know, I'd like you to meet Mark. And they know you by your first name and you have a relationship and stuff like that. They're like, that could never happen with a construction you worker. Know, it's but I think it's changed. I think it's better. Yeah, 100%. When I was first starting, it was like that. And, you know, construction workers, they were always yelling at chicks and, and everything. Does and that go on? I have yet to see that myself. It happens. It happens. Eh? Still, yeah, it still happens, but I don't think it happens in the, you know, the capacity that it happened. The way it I, was. The way it was. I think there is, finally, we're we're getting a little more classy right? <laughs> we're gentle tradesmen we're, yeah. we're cordial we're we're good to people we, because and here's why i think that probably late 90s when the shows all when all the shows started to come out it actually started i think it started a movement everybody wanted to be a contractor everybody wanted to be a tradesman because oh look at these guys on tv you know they're they're becoming rock stars being they carry a you know they got a tool belt on and a hammer and i think that in the last 20 years it's actually helped us as much as we shit yeah on the shows that are out there because it really doesn't do much you know much justice it doesn't do the a, industry justice justice but yeah. i think it's elevated what construction is about and i think like everything again adding to your point jim is it's going to continue to get better and right. I think that people need to sort of open their minds a little bit more. And when we start coming to their homes, by the way, your home is probably your number one returning investment yeah. for most people. Yeah. And we are the guys working on them. Yeah. Don't you think that we're going to try to show up as clean as possible? Because if you're a homeowner like myself, you have a lot of respect for another homeowner. And especially if I'm working on that. Right. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you said, oh, I showed up in my 
civvy clothes and, and everything else. I don't think, like, that's not a bad thing. Like, no. I, th- I think they should, because if I'm going to, if I'm going to go meet a client for the first time, I always try to set it up after dinner or something. So I don't have to go all covered in shit. Go dressed up so they can see another side of you. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, right? Well, for sure. So I think, you know, the bottom line, and we've talked about it before, I think it's image is everything. As long as the tradesperson is conscious of that image. They just don't right. want to slap them together and just go. Right. Show up right. in a clean truck. Yes. You know. Well, maintain your truck on a maintain weekly basis. Maintain your truck. Like, right? don't show up in a thing that's all rusted out the ratchet and everything else. Like, you, you have to invest. Maybe you got to start that way. But that also goes to the guys who go a little too extreme where they start putting pickup trucks and doing lifts on them and throwing on 36-inch wheels and all kinds of stuff. Like That's a different story. That's a, <laughs> that's a different Don't animal. Don't show up with that, right? I was going to say... You so can j- blend your truck up a little. <laughs> a bit. little bit. But it is still your work truck and it's still it's a functioning vehicle. So you right. have to still it make it function. It makes you money. It makes, that's, the, exactly. that's the thing. Is like I, look at, I look at my clothes. I look at my tools. I look at my truck. Everybody knows that if you're a trades guy, chances are you're not leasing that thing, you're financing it because you bang the shit out of it, all right? The way you're also treated on a financial side is completely different than the guy who's swapping out his Beamer every couple of years because he hits the kilometers on it. So you're buying that thing out. You're buying your tools out. You're investing in yourself. All of that is going to make you money. We're looking at long game. When you mentioned about, you know, guys having decals down the side of their car, that is making them money. Yes. That is almost as good as having a TFSA because if you have your number down the side and you get two grand for having decals down the side, you're, you're paying for the decals. So again, I think that the principles of construction are slightly changing to a more modernized look. And I think people need to start understanding that when they get a tradesman come into their front door, introducing themselves, being cordial, being nice and all this type of stuff to sort of look at them as like, you know what, this guy is like, a businessman in the sense where he's just trying to do exactly what I'm trying to do when I go to my job every day. I do this now, and I'm sure you do this, Jim, is I review everything now. So once I finish a job, I review it. I actually have someone who puts the whole thing together, lets me know exactly where every penny went, how it was all laid out, and then I could actually just do a cost analysis on the job. I think all tradespeople should do that for everything they want to do for their business. 100%. So if they want to buy a vehicle, because I was taught this by younger guys who spend $80,000 on a van. Vans are $80,000 now. And then he actually justified it to me and, I, and it made 100% clear to me. It makes me money. He looked at that 80 and he calculated, what's it going to take for me to do this year to use that as an asset and I right. can make money with it? So when you walk on a job site or you meet new clients and you're wearing proper workwear and you look like a professional tradesperson, you spent that 200 bucks on those pairs of pants or whatever. It makes you money. The image, your brand that you're creating, it makes you money. So if these tradespeople do a cost balance analysis of everything that they do that's associated to the business, they will quickly realize, I can purchase that tool. I can purchase that attire. I can purchase that van. And here's the reasons why. I think it also helps when you do walk up and you've got that clothing on. As As a client, I think I would go, you know what? This is good. It's, it's, I've, I've, sense I've of relief. a sense of relief. I've made that the right decision. I've made the, this guy look at me. You may not know how much the stuff costs, but you know, presentable, presentable. And just the name, you know, even though it, the name doesn't register with you because you go to an office, but you're going to go, okay, 
that name, Block Lada, that's that means something, yeah. right? And you yeah. can you tell by the material. So I think it, in not all cases, but as you say, it's getting better. I I think as you know, as the construction you know business grows, and as the younger guys get in, and as the public is younger now that we're dealing with, they get it and they see. Okay, you know what? I hired the right guy. You know, he does. He looks presentably. He looks like he's a real tradesman. Yeah. And right. a point of relation to like some of the listeners that aren't in the construction industry. When you look at a police officer, when you look at a paramedic, when you look at a fireman, you can honestly look at them and go, that guy probably makes about eighty to a hundred thousand a year based on just their uniform alone, just because of their what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So just just you know, connecting points where people will go, Oh, hey, aha, you know, that type of stuff. I know, Mark, that you're you're thirty two, you're thirty two, yeah. Thirty two. So I and Jim, you probably noticed as well. My last three clients that I've been d- dealing with have all been younger than me. Yeah. And I know... <laughs> Everybody's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. But I find it really fascinating that I'm having conversations with 30-somethings, early 40-somethings about million-dollar rentals. That wasn't the case, I guess, when you were in your 30s. And you were speaking to clients that were probably in their 40s and 50s established. Doing maybe a $100,000 rental and... and- but that number is dropping now. So you're getting yeah. clients that are actually having communication with you about six-figure, seven-figure projects, and they're in their 30s. Yeah. How does that feel for you, Mark? Like, how does that work? Full honesty. Sometimes when I see a younger client, I think, okay, what's my budget on this? I think it might be a little bit less because I kind of do a comparison of like, okay, you know, what are they making and stuff like that. I also try to, you know, do a couple of like probing questions like, oh, what do you do? Sure. What is your husband? Interview them as much as they're interviewing you. Yeah. So I I try to do all that. For me, I think it's great. I think anybody who's my age and buys a house, I think that's fantastic. I think you're stimulating the economy. Good for you. To me, it's, it's kind of like. You guys have, are kind of coming at it from two different perspectives and you kind of have your ship. I'm kind of still going with the waves. Mm. You know what I mean? So as things continue to change, I'm adapting with it. And that's kind of the name of the game these days with the current situation we're in, right? Yeah. That kind of brings me to another point where, you know, there's a life cycle of a tradesman. Oh, for sure. You know? And it was, it was really funny because I, I was kind of playing with this concept a little bit. When we're sitting here at the table... <laughs> I feel like six I'm feet apart, six feet apart. <laughs> I feel like I'm like the beginning, Manny, you're like the middle and Jim's like kind of like, the end. <laughs> Man, that's yeah, that's not a slight on your age. That's not a slight on your age. Get out. Get out. <laughs> but like, I think that's another thing is like people think again, like stigma and concepting of like a construction worker, they think you're going to be like a prize fighter. Like you start in your prime when you're young and then you keep fighting until one day you can't fight anymore. And that's again. But what is that? What's what's causing that factor that you can't fight anymore? Is it a physical or is it a mental? I don't think I don't think it's a I don't think you you're actually fighting. I don't think you're actually fighting. I think what you're doing is is you're changing the way that you're going about. No, I meant more of it like is it a toll? Is it a toll on you physically? Is it a toll on you mentally? I think it's actually it's more of a. I haven't actually thought about that because I know I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a toll on you. I think especially with what you're doing. Yeah. I mean the reason I respect Jim. Greatly is because you've had your fair share of stuff that has happened in this industry. And yet you still have a huge passion for this industry, a huge love for this industry. And I think the majority of young guys out there that even got wind of a tiny bit of what you've been through or you've dealt with with 
bad or good clients or whatever, they would say, fuck it. I'm out of here. Yeah. I can't deal with this. That's a toll that I don't want to deal with. But I think that's also due to their short sightedness in the industry. Thousand percent. Because here's, here's the thing. You start out as an apprentice. You start out as a helper. You start out as, you know, some people would say like the donkey where you're just shoveling and sweeping and yeah, doing all this. We all have. Then what happens is you start to get the trade. You start to evolve. You start to go through. But the thing is, people don't realize you're going up the trunk of the tree, but you're not blossoming yet. When you get to like, well, I, like I like that. that. I, like I like that. that. When you start to get like around, can I use that trademark? Of course right, you good. can. Of course you can. <laughs> As you get to the to sort of the blossoming point, the avenues you can take are like almost endless. This the is the thing. See, endless. people people look at it like this again, and I'm gonna go back into like sort of. Uh, white collar business. All right. You start out as a teller, you move up, you get into mortgages, you get into this, and then you go into stocks, you go into, you know, mortgage specialists, you start moving your way up and then you eventually become like a CFO or accountant and then so on and so forth. And you move through the ranks. Okay. Mm -hmm. People can see a clear career path. Same with um, lawyers and stuff like that. Clerking to this, to this, to this, boom, 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 boom. You can kind of see that laid out. And that's, you know, education system and university saying, well, if you take this course, it'll lead to this, uh, yeah, lead for this, sure. lead to this. For sure. What people don't talk about though is if you get your red seal, you can go take a construction management course and then go after one of these big guys out here and you can start being a construction manager, managing somewhere. Dude, you can go take a construction management course without the risk. <laughs> you, yeah, but that's what I mean. But I'm saying if you have the combination yeah. of the two, you take those while you're young and then when you get to your, go up your trunk and you start to bloom, it's a you crazy world. It's, it's a huge it's asset. It's a crazy it's world and it's a massive asset. You can maybe, you know, if you're lucky enough, approach Jim and be like, hey, Jim, listen, I, I got this background. I have this background. And these are the two things. And I think I can help you. And you can sell yourself. You're kind of like your own entity at that point. And people, I feel like people don't think you can actually get there in the trades. I think what they believe is you're just going to be swing a hammer, swinging a hammer for the rest of your life until your back gives out and then you're dead and you just yeah. die at the site, you know, but, but your back gives out for a variety of other reasons <laughs> that you can deal with. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I, I know Jim, you brought this up before and I, I just recently saw it on a post uh, circulating on Instagram. There's going to be an influx of people that don't know shit about construction coming into construction because of what's been going on in the world. Yeah. Because okay. we have been thriving. The industry has been working really well. What do you guys think about? There we go. Mark's got a grin on his face. <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, it's just. Our it's good and bad. It's good and bad. Our, our education system needs to get back to what it was yes. back in the 80s. I wish it would. And we have yeah. to figure out how. Okay. I mean, there are some schools that still have shop. But, but we need more schools. We need more. I've been actually thinking about this. Okay. And I, you know, ever since for Jim, 32 years, for 32 <laughs> years, I've been thinking about this. No, ever since, ever since Jim mentioned, you know, we got to get back into high schools that really resonated with me for whatever reason. So I started doing some digging. I, I did some stats right now. If you look at stats can for jobs and, and who's employed and you, and you break it down into sectors. So the sectors are public, private, self-employed in the last four years, private and self-employed has declined. Public has gone up. Private sector is about 11 million jobs in uh, all of Ontario. Okay, there's about 14 million people. The private sector, or sorry, the self-employed sector is about 273,000. That's it. Yeah, that's it. In Ontario. In Ontario. Yeah. yeah. Now, quarter mil, huh? Yeah. So when you branch all that in together, okay, then there's like, you know, in that private, you got your McDonald's, you got your Costco, you got big guys, okay? With the construction industry, the way we make our money is we sort of 
go after guys who are working in like maybe public sectors and other private sectors. And we take that, we get taxed on the dollars and then the dollar kind of cycles. Every public sector employee is seen as sort of an expense when you start breaking it down into like running the, the mm -hmm. country as like, yeah. you know, a business. The only way we're going to dig ourselves out of deficit and debt is by investing in private and self-employed industries. One of the highest yielding industries you can get into is construction. When I say private, that means like private also includes like the Starbucks barista, the second cup barista, the, the guy serving you at Harvey's, that type of stuff. If you get into construction, we're generally the higher yielding employees. Like we earn more. Mm -hmm. So we get taxed more. So we pay back more. You see? And the thing is, when construction is happening, it's not happening on an international level. I mean, we all hope for that, but it generally happens here in Ontario. So that's tax dollars getting traded on the soil, contributing to the economy. So from an economist standpoint, from an economist stance, don't you think it makes sense to maybe start investing just a little bit? It does. From the educational point where, you know, Jim's sitting there going, I'm really scared for guys that don't know how to swing a hammer to start swinging a hammer. And not because I don't want them to make a living, but because I don't want them to hurt themselves and then become a burden on the system when they're just trying to provide for their family. I think that's where it really comes from. Don't you think as a governing body, you should look at this industry and go, we got to get it back in high school. When was the last time the government actually actively spoke about this? They never. don't. They don't. They never no have. Nobody's bringing it to it's, their attention. It's not a talking point like what, during what elections. Runs, what, I mean, you're the stat man now. Because <laughs> I know at one time, renovation, new construction, pretty much ran half the economy in this country. Oh, yeah. Yep. That would and, have been the And 80s, I would say right? it would still be stand true. Yeah. yeah the, for sure. This past year, for sure. So, again, you know, looking at the, you know, the pandemic we're in and, you know, all this that's going on, what's going to pull us out of all this Again, I think construction is going to. I think it's going to be a very big driving force. Again, build like how many people, you know, does does construction actually employ? Like, no, we were talking. I think tons. it's about one point seven million across oh, Canada. And just one, going back one point two. So actually, I did the math. One, on it's that. one point two. One point two. I think that's what you so said. So out, out, out of out of thirty eight million that we have right yeah. now. In the so country. ready for this. So then I broke that down even further. <laughs> okay. We brought the stat, man. There's 383,000 construction jobs in Ontario. When your number, yeah. So we have a quarter we of it. We have a quarter of it because we have 14 million people in Ontario and there's 37 million across Canada. We have a quarter of it just yes. in Ontario. Yes. Wow. The, I, again, I know we're big. Just don't talk about this. Yeah, I know. But, but this is the thing, right? <laughs> The, like, like these are raw numbers. I'm not an economist. These are raw numbers. These are stats that you can look up. So when I'm taking that and I'm working my ratios, by the way, I'm a lowly construction worker. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing. Do you ever get any work done? Yeah. <laughs> the R&D in the middle of the night. Listen, so, so when you're looking at that and you're saying, Manny, okay, we're going to lose a quarter of that. That means 50,000 gone from Ontario. That's 50,000. That's the threat that's, in the next decade. That's, that's 50,000 high yielding jobs that are no longer paying tax on your soil and are retiring and taking from the government now and becoming self-sufficient. Now, by the way, everybody can be self-sufficient on the government. I, I don't care. That's not what I'm going after. I'm just looking at my industry right now. And I'm saying, guys, from a dollars and cents perspective, if you were looking at a solution right in your face, 
Don't you think now is the time to start investing in it? Yeah. Schools are closed. If you need to run your HVAC systems and upgrade your things, now is the time. They're not being run over. There are shops right now that are just rusting out that have high-end equipment in them. And they're just sitting there vacant. Do but how is the public going to perceive that if all of a sudden the school board start allowing contractors to come in to do some upkeep on the business? Honestly, I've worked in schools. And the way that they do is they have a COVID board. Okay. Just like everything. They have a plan. Which, so everyone's which goes, safe. So everyone's it. safe in doing that. And also, by the way, they limit the amount of contractors that come in during the time. So what they'll do is they'll schedule HVAC guys that come in one day, then they'll schedule the trim guys that come in the next. They will never have those two guys interchanging. As ballsy as this may sound, I'd actually love to get our prime minister on the show. Well, I'm going to be going after to ask these direct questions. Well, man. I'm going to be emailing the premier. I've decided to do it because. It's something that I believe in. I That's kind of my calling. I love my business. I love my trade. I love everything I'm doing, and I never want to see it go away. And because of that, I'm looking at this right now, and I'm going, we have a solution. And even if it's not the whole solution, it's a part of it. It's a step in the right direction. Am I fair to say this, that building construction is more of a collective issue instead of privatization businesses like the white collar is more of an individual? I think what's happening, and this is a sad... Well, I actually want to get Jim's thoughts on this. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, well, how many times have I said now, I think we are so much stronger if together, together. Sure. So, we're sure we're, you know, our sole proprietor or you run a business and you, but there's a brotherhood. There's a brotherhood. And, and I think again, just, to, you know, I think just being in this thing for over 45 years, I, there's never been, and you know, never been a unity of no of construction where everybody's always fighting with each other, doing this, doing that. But now, in the last twenty years, I mean, you know, being a contractor has elevated, like we just talked about it. Of being, there's nothing wrong with being a contractor, especially if you're a good one. You make a great living, and some of us make, you know, others, you know, make an exceptional living, right? So, nothing wrong with that. So, I think the more we can work together there's gonna be there's more than enough work out there for everybody to make a great living again you know i mean i just i just i keep continuing to, to stress that that if if we can somehow pull together you know i'm not saying we form like this gigantic no association that's not what we but, want to do. but but maybe it is maybe it is some kind of association for renovators contractors you know small small businesses yeah not you know not the madamies of the of the world and stuff like that us guys mm -hmm. the small mom and pop shops we would have so we would have and 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 when i say you know we do this i'm not just talking ontario i'm talking we just do it right from coast to coast canada canada wide there's tons of us we would have a bigger far more powerful voice for sure I mean, that's it. That's exactly why we, we, you know, when we, when we started uh, renovation contractor, we wanted to be the voice yeah. of, of the industry right? and the round table and, yeah. and, and going forward on that, like it kind of brings me back around to this concept of, oh, I'm just going to call them agencies. Agencies go out, they market, they get a whole bunch of pros together. They put them on their list. You call as the homeowner and you go out and you're like, okay, we give you three quotes and then you pick one. And then this guy shows up and does the work. Okay. That's great if you want to make a living that way, and that's fine. A lot of what people don't understand about agencies is that a lot of the onus falls on the homeowner. 
mm-hmm. when they deal with you, like a Carrick Hall Homes or a Manny from Hardcore Renos or myself, Mark from Craigmore Construction, we carry our own liability. We cover our own WSIB. Yeah. You don't have to worry about your due diligence. But a lot of people don't see that. I think that needs to be an education. The point that comes off of yours is the type of tradesman or pro, as they say, that it's creating. Because here's what happens, because I've called them and I've actually asked them how they work their thing and they go, okay, here's what happens. We take you, your price, and we take two other guys, which might be cheaper, might not be, and we throw them all at the client. And then what happens is the client goes in and picks. Generally, it's the lowest one because it's kind of a race to zero. The agency doesn't care because they're making their monthly thing. And then what happens is the, the guy who doesn't get the job, now when he goes in on the second one, he's going to lower his price even more. And then they're going to lower their price even more. And they're going to lower their price even more. And then it's a race to zero. Nobody wins except the agency who's collecting their monthly fees. What this does to a tradesman, though, is it turns this guy, who probably is really good at what he does, and might have a real knack and future in it. But because he's racing with all these other guys that might do a little less, it creates this sort of tenacious animal that's just all about, you know, push the other guys out of the way. I'm not working with anybody. Like, I'm going to just eat as much as I can. It creates a mentality where it's like, well, you know, if you're not first, you're last. Right. And, that kind of, and then what happens is, is it breaks that unity, that brotherhood, even sometimes that craft that you're trying right. to really but achieve. But not only that, I, I mean, it crushes you. A hundred percent. As as a as a contractor, you're, you said it earlier, like you... You finally just give up. Like, yeah. why am I going to work and making nothing? Does it crush you because you have such a, a respect for the skill that you build a certain way? And now that you've been racing to the bottom there to get well, the lowest I, price. I don't even know if that. I think it's just if you, right away, I, I would think and go, holy Christ, is this the business? Yeah. It, I, I used to like doing this. I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. But yeah. I've always walked away from those jobs instead of shifting gears into a lesser quality job. You have to. I just, I was just, talk, just, I was just yeah. talking. Bring to it Joe. up, bring it up, man. I was just talking to Joe Rosselli in uh, in Napa Valley. What's up, Joe? Hey, Joe, because <laughs> you're going to be listening to this. And him and I have have had a couple conversations, and he reached out to me, and I said, I said, call me, and I'll just you know answer anything I can. And he's in the U.S. Like he's in Napa Valley. He's young. He's like your age. He's like thirty. He's starting out. He's got a little baby, and he's and he's he's having a a bit of a go. And we talked about marketing. I said, you know, I said you sometimes. And then this was the the I guess the the point I made across to him. He goes, sometimes I'm just not making enough money. I feel like I'm getting shafted. I said, it's up to you to get up away from the table and tell the client when they have asked you to drop your price, you just politely get up and say, you know what, then this job's not for me. I need that amount of money in order to do a very good job for you. Obviously, this one's not for me. Thanks very much. Get up and walk away from the table. Yeah. 75% of the time, they're going to call you back. He texts me back. He goes, Jim, it was four hours later. I got the job. <laughs> but he was scared. He was scared about walking away. Walk away because he wanted the job. And I think like where I think I'm, I'm a little bit closer to this, but I remember first starting out, I shot everything that moved. Yeah. And that's the thing is when we you all first, do that. Exactly. We everybody all... does that. But imagine you got involved with an animal that turns you in to something where you're consistently racing to the bottom. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing. And then you don't, 
you don't grow from that. You continuously beat yourself down and then you have those conversations with yourself at night where you're sitting there, you know, at 3 a.m. going, is this what it's all about? Is this what it's really about? And then what you're doing is it's not just about the person. It's about the spirit and the spirit of their industry and how they're going and you're starting. But the thing is, that matters to a guy like me. That matters to a guy like you, Jim. That matters yeah. to a guy like Who you, man. Who cares about the industry? But that doesn't matter to an agency. No. no. And you no. know how there's You're been- a number. They have no skin in the game. Exactly. So what I'm saying is, you know how there's been that like support local? Support your local trades guys. Yeah. Start going out. Not start, a single mention. Like, start supporting your local trades guys. They're hurting just as much as you are. They could really use the work. Go out. Ask around, go to a supplier, say, hey, listen, do you know a guy that can do a little bit of drywall work, do a plumbing job, do this, do that? It's so simple. There, and, and, you know, it comes back to marketing, I think. It comes back. Well, it to comes back to marketing, but also patience. Yes. You it, got you, you to know when to hold them and know to get yeah. up and walk away. Right? Mark's great for this. He, he will take, and he mentioned this in the first time that he was on the show, he will take the small jobs that a lot of brickies don't want. I don't there's want nothing I, wrong I, with that. There's nothing wrong, but th- but we know at this table and everybody that's listening, you take those small jobs, it's going to turn into a big job, job one day. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it'll happen, but you know the guy that I just recently did that brickwork for you, mm-hmm. he comes out to me and he's like, "Oh, that actually looks really good." I go, "Thanks." I said, first time doing it, so don't tell anybody." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes, "Oh man," he goes, "Yeah," he goes, "So uh, yeah, do you guys also do?" Uh, Ex- that's exactly. Do you also do this that's while, exactly. while you're here? Yeah. While you're here, that's exactly. do you guys do this? Yeah. Okay. So maybe not right now, but we'll give you a call in the spring. Okay. Fantastic. It. it and then. And then. Who knows who that guy knows? Who knows who who he's gonna know? You and, never but, know. But again, if I'm doing one-offs all the time, getting beaten up on price, and you know the brand I'm pushing out there is not reflecting the money I'm charging, and yeah. then also it creates a false set of standards too, because I'm thinking I, I can only make this much. Yeah. Like it's not helping. But you're doing these smaller jobs and you tell me if I'm wrong. But the thing is, and I'm never wrong. uh, (laughs) You tell me if I'm wrong. He knows the answer before he asks. (laughs) You're not doing it to build. You're doing it to build relationships. A hundred percent. Because what's going to happen to that client? They are going to speak about you positively, man. I know a guy. He's amazing. Great guy. Took care of this little thing for me. And then all of a sudden they'll talk to a friend who's doing a big job. And they'll reference and you. And it evolves. And evolves. That's exactly it. But it comes down to marketing too, like you said. Yes. Like so, if you want to, and then, you know, Joe and I were talking a little bit about, about that too. And I said, do you have signage? And he said, no, not really. So now he's working on, you know, because he wants to, you know, I said, you want to rule kind of your, your hood, right? Yeah. Your area, you know, if you can. I think if, you know, if you can have a classy little sign yes you know even before you start the job say you know whatever here it is get it out there more and more and more it's like you know pizza pizza yeah it's just going to be It'll drilled stick into, in their head. into your head right so it's really funny that we're bringing up marketing because bringing it back to sort of the education i also feel like there's a lackluster of marketing when it comes to trade school Guys don't think that trades. they don't think the effort is worth it, um, imagine, which is wrong. Imagine this imaginary world, okay? Just come on, come with a journey, come on a journey with me, okay? <laughs> All right, imagine this. Imagine you saw on someone's application when they're sitting down trying to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life, and it goes Western, Laurier, Mac, this trade school. Isn't that a cool concept? 
Why is, what the, tra- is, why is the train school at the end of the list? Because best for last, Jim. The best for last. Recent, the most recent one. But, but so that, that person didn't get any satisfaction out of the other choices that they made. No, but the thing is, it's an option. Mm. It's an option. It's not being made an option right now. It's a high-yielding, high-returning, high-taxation. Okay, but who, who's to blame for that? The parents. Parents, government. Authority well, figures. First, I'm going to say the parents. Parents, for sure. Because and, I'm, 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 I've I, have, I have girls, so, you know, sure, they could have got in the trades, but they didn't. And, you know, and I wanted to make sure they got where they wanted to go. So they went to university and they did what they wanted to do. And, and both of them renovate their homes. And, uh, but, you know, they're not in the business. But I think parents can't, you know, especially... If your kid just doesn't want to go to university, you, you can't beat him up for it. No. I mean, him or her. Just guys say, okay, well, look, well, let's look over here at a trade school. Nothing wrong with being a trades person. You're going to make a fantastic living the way you go. I mean, I've said it before. I'd say, you know, I say it, you know, when, I, when I've gone and spoke at, you know, high schools and everything else. I said, look, guys, you know. You're the new doctors and lawyers of the future. Yeah. Like, you're going to make that hourly wage one day i've actually so i was in so when i was in trade school when i was at the omtc i had to first of all i had to seek those guys out right it wasn't like oh when you're applying for colleges there's also like you know you could go to the local 27 the local 183 trade school for masonry or carpentry you can also go to the omtc for masonry you can go to these schools for this no i had to actually go and look for them it was not being made available to me. So, so all through your research, nobody was just volunteering no, to, to help out? No. And then... I believe it. That's and, the scary thing. And then when I'm at the OMTC, they had a school from the, from the east end of Toronto come in with like 20 students and they kind of like just look at what you're doing. They don't really do much. They just kind of they describe, okay, these are the trades, blah, 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 blah. What I'm saying though is only one school from the east end of Toronto did that. Why is it that, you know, Iroquois Ridge in Oakville or White Oaks in Oakville they don't do aren't coming out here and seeing this and doing that and, and doing that, like doing those things and seeing, you know, how the trades work, going to the plumbing schools, going to the electrician schools. There's a skills competition in Ontario every year. Every year. And the thing is, you know who does the best in those things? The guys whose dads are tradesmen. <laughs> I believe it. And the thing is, the only reason, one of the reasons I got into the trade was because I knew about it yeah. coming up. Back in the day, and, and I think you attested to this too, Jim, like they could pull you out of grade 12 and put you straight into a working program where you were earning. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the banks. They did the same thing. Okay, who here is good as accounting? This guy, this guy, this guy, top five. Okay, come. These are the BMOs, the TDs, and the CIBC guys. Those guys are now executives. You know? So what high schools actually do that now? None. They don't. They there don't. Because mine did. Yeah. yeah. Western Tech, right? Yeah. I mean, we had. Well, uh, are we, we, we still Central had grade Tech. thirteen back then. Central Tech still does, doesn't it? Central Tech still has a shop, I think. Have they gotten rid of it? I don't know yet. Well, I know. I mean, Central, like Central Tech and Western Tech, are pretty much were the same type of school. Yeah. And almost the same, you know, amount of students. Like when I went, we were just shy of three thousand students when I went. Now That's a like, big now number. Like twelve hundred bucks or yeah. twelve hundred kids, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we were, 
by trade, anyways, HVAC, the sheet uh, metal, local 30, boom, came over and said, okay, here, I want this guy, this guy, and this guy before they're finished. Yeah. And we had a job. Scouting. Scouting. And why? But like, why can't you do that now? Exactly. I, I go back to your point, Jim, about I blame the parents. Most parents don't think being a tradesperson is a good enough yeah. career choice. First of all, they think it's a fallback job, and they think it's not a good enough career choice. And that's and that's another thing. Fallback. We're fallback not second choice. And and that and I again, I think that comes down to a little bit of the marketing because when you're oh, applying for, for sure. things, when you're applying for secondary education, a trade school does not even rate on that application. So the parents must go, "Oh, you want to pursue a trade?" Like it's again ignorance through unfamiliarity. It's narrow-mindedness because you. So you, let you know what? Yeah. That's there. There's always going to be tradesmen, no matter what. That to robots cannot not, do our not, the, job. There'll, there'll be robots to maybe demo, and there might be prefab homes, but you still have to build them inside of a warehouse. Them, you still got you they, gotta still crane them in. So you're still going to have exactly. tradespeople. Yeah. Way into another 100, 200, I mean, look at, years. we were talking earlier about trading, day trading, whatever. Now they got goddamn robots doing, watching the algorithm, boom, 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 so, and, 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 like, because they work faster. They work faster. The right? little switch bot. I would love. Right? I would love all these parents to actually, and I would encourage more tradespeople out there because it, I'm in awe of seeing amazing framing. I'm in awe of seeing amazing brickwork. I'm in awe of seeing amazing HVAC work. When I see tradespeople do their work and their skill, you see those years. You see those yeah. educating years. You see the quality, and I encourage the parents to see. You know to what? Pay so maybe. So there's a thing. So maybe there needs to be a thing for parents to come out, people like us, stand up there and tell them, look, there's nothing wrong with your kid doing this. This is where they're gonna go, most likely, and educate them. Maybe they need the education. And and I think there's a good point in that. I think if you educate people, well, now you're not unfamiliar with that. Now you're not ignorant to that. Now you can actually formulate an opinion and you can go, oh, you know what? That's actually not such a bad thing. And when you actually look at, again, numbers, an apprentice or a helper literally in the union, you could just stay there your whole life. You make make 30, a better you, living. You than make most. 60K. Yes, you yeah. make 60K. You have your benefits. You have your lira and you go off into the sunset. Yeah. So I'm not a parent that I know of. Um, <laughs> do they still do? Do they still do career day at schools? Do I they? No. They don't do that anymore. When I, Show when and I, tell. Because my next question was, do, <laughs> yeah. do they bring, uh, like, would a tradesperson come in? And I was just wondering, okay, because here's my dad. He's a doctor. Here's my dad. He's a lawyer. Here's my mom, whatever. But I was, my question is, do they bring their they, tradesperson dad to talk about the trades? Probably not. Which is sad. And you know what? Like, when I was coming up in high school, they did that. And, you know, and it was kind of like... I never saw, like you saw the firefighter dad, you saw the cop yeah, dad, you saw yeah. that. The heroes. Nobody, nobody stood up there and was like, I, I knew the guy. And his dad was an electrician. And he was teaching him to be an electrician. And he's a good electrician now. He didn't bring his dad. He brought his mom. And she and, does what? Because he was ashamed. Well, I don't know if that was necessarily it. But he, you know, the mom was a school bus driver. It was just sort of like... You know, but it was not that's, like that's parenting. That's probably his friends or her friends. That's society in general where my dad's not a cool enough person because he's a tradesperson. And again, I think that comes down to stigma. It comes yes. down to marketing. Yes. It comes down to not reinvesting in the imagery. You know, how many times have you seen, you know, 
the the ad of like a college or university trying to you know not take money from the industry but try to create wealth through the industry where it's like you know here at so-and-so college and it's two guys with white hard hats looking at drawings pointing at a couple things and then pointing up into the sky right that's not how it is no maybe construction management to some to some extent but even that but but, i I had a phrase jim that i was using earlier on in my marketing days where i was like i didn't go to harvard but i could build it (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Which is true, right? And, and I, I, I see your point. And the thing is, how do we... We know internally that trades business, trades people, trades industry is very rewarding and very financially successful for a lot of individuals. But the everybody else that's out of it, they don't think so. so I th- how do we make them think it? So I call it my harpoon. Mm. Mm. And I think the, the harpoon to this is dollars and cents. It's going, the dollars and cents harpoon is a good harpoon. If you go and you start appealing to mass amounts of government and other people about dollars and cents and how this is actually going to be a solution, this is actually going to make money, this is actually going to build communities and build a better person and go on and and you sharpen that harpoon and that's the one you use to go get the whale. I think that's the one. That's why stats make sense. Because if you can show, if you can honestly show the government that 50% 50% of what you're, 51%, it doesn't even need to be 60, 51% of what you're spending is overspending on top. And all the high yielding jobs out of the construction industry are actually paying for those public sector jobs. And we're going to lose a quarter of that in the next 10 years. Will they deal with it when it's lost? That's when they deal. That's when, that's when they deal with it. With but the thing is, I'm not going to expect them to do that they can't we have to we have to and that's the thing is these days a lot of squeaky wheels get greased so i think that we need to start being the squeaky wheel isn't it a double-edged sword here because the thing is we all know that when it comes to construction for public tendering goes out there there's always overages and you get these massive companies that make seven eight figures on these jobs just for argument's sake the lr the crosstown how it's delayed, 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 but then overages and stuff like that. So is there a double-edged sword where the public starts to think those massive construction companies make way too much money because they got the job, the job was canceled, and they were paid 75% of the job, but they never did the job. That's not fair. But yeah, in government, that happens all the time. We can't do that in the private. We can't do that in custom rentals because we wouldn't have any work at that point. But I mean, we were talking off mic before we started the show today. What if you have a side hustle? What if you're doing more? You're trying to do other things outside of your construction business just to build more equity in your life. And you start becoming so big where you roll in. Like you said, you had that situation where you rolled in a Mercedes and then you got that double look from the client saying, right. you drive a better car than I do. But if you're a smart contractor and you have a love for the industry and you've done well on your side and you've built and provided, why not show it off? Well, it, exactly. And I mean, that's, and that's what I said to him. Doesn't it? I said, can't you look at it a, another way Yeah. that maybe I'm successful Yeah. for a reason, not because I'm shitty and charge, you know, overcharge, overcharge. I still love this industry and I yeah. still love doing the work, but I mean, I'd like to roll I in. If I overcharge, I wouldn't get work. So I think the all encompassing theme then is pushing the alternative perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, 
let's not look at the tradesman as the dirty guy who I hired to do the dirty job and he goes back and he parties it all away and da 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 da. Let's not look at the truck with the decals on the side going, he can't afford another car. Let's not look at the trade schools and be like, oh, that's just a backstop for guys that weren't good at school. Da da da. Like, let's start changing the perspective because what's happening is with the safety that's out there, with the type of clientele that's out there, and the way the trades are actually going in the materials, you have to be smart to work with some of these materials out here. Yeah. You can't just be slapping it in and hoping it's going to stick. You need an education. The construction worker of now is a lot different than what we've been portrayed for so many years. I think now is the time to start pushing that change, start pushing that perspective. Right. And once that happens and gains momentum, I think that's when you'll start seeing people wake up and go, you know what? There's something here that we can that we can sort of use and capitalize on. And I think that is what we need to sort of show the current government right now, whether or not it'll invoke change. But I think the momentum needs to stop doing because I can tell you right now it's dead. It's stopped. It's not. And the it's thing not is, moving it's been, forward. It's been it's dead. Not, yeah. Yeah. Years. The thing is with the young guys coming in, I want I'm excited to see what the next generation looks like and what they're going to build. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm, I'm just like, you're talking about uh, Gen Z because we're talking about after millennials. Yeah. Well, isn't Gen Z worse than millennials when it comes to working hard? And I'm not trying to dig at the millennials again. I'm just saying that I, I'm a little <laughs> nervous because in social media and the way it is right now, when you're hearing about, you know, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, Bezos, richest man in the world, and they're fighting between billions, and they're over 200 billion. They're talking about in the next four years, they're going to be the first trillionaire. And I'm like, these are just stupid numbers. But then you get this younger generation thinking, I'm going to design an app, and I don't care about being a millionaire. I want to be a billionaire. They're still going to need really nice houses with really nice architectural features. They will. <laughs> they will. I agree <laughs> like, with you. Like, you know, they're still going to, like, you How know. many of those kids, though, are going to get into trades knowing that? Construction does have a cap, though. Are we fair to say where it can cap out? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, 70s and 80s, it did. Okay. Yeah, it did. And you know, Your income per year, every trade can do yeah. so many jobs. You, if you expand, you have another team, so you can run two jobs, three jobs, four jobs. So your cap can still grow slightly, Yeah. but you're, you're kind of capped out, like maybe, let's say, mid-six figures. You know what I mean? If you're doing really, really well, but if you want to get into the seven figures, I think you got to get into those government, public sector jobs. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, those are. I mean, what stat man? <laughs> what is the? What's the percentage of the population that makes over a hundred thousand? Oh, Somebody geez. told me it's still less than five percent. Yeah, it, it's it's I a small that. number. I believe is that. It? It's a still? it's a it's a small number. I it's it's definitely hasn't we talking grown. We talk Canada or Ontario? Ontario. Ontario. Honestly, I I can tell you this: it hasn't grown. No. Over this last year, no. so I think that's no. fair to say. No. You know, I, and I think a lot of them actually were. Um, like sunshine list, like they released that with all the public sector workers that were making six figures and stuff really, like yeah. that. Yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff. You know, I'm I'll be honest, I'm a little scared when I started looking at the public sector numbers as opposed to the private and the self-employed because anybody who has more math skills than I can, can look at those numbers and go, you need four self-employed companies 
essential. No, let's say three. Okay. Mm -hmm. And each one of those heads makes 30 grand a year when they start out roughly. Okay. Which is not bad. That is going to equal one $90,000 public service employee. Think about it. Really? That's the way it works. So you need three to keep one. Exactly. Huh. You need those three to earn to pay this guy. Wow. And so, we're still waiting for permits. And we're, yeah. So <laughs> again, again, it's kind of like, but if, but the thing is those three guys are going to go down to two and they're not going to make more. And then eventually it's going to be one. And what? There's going to be four over here. You're running a huge deficit. It's going to be that way. It's going to be that way. So that's why I'm saying now now is a good time before the tide really turns. Get out in front of this thing. Start reinvesting in the high schools. Start reinvesting in the shop classes. Get the people with their... With like, why not just start your own school? 100% trade school. I've thought of that. But the bullshit that you'd have to go oh, through. That's, well, that's exactly what happened. So, right. so this is so government this is, would step in because they don't want you to do that. So this is a thing that I've learned just in, in my industry. And this is something that I take to heart is it's a lot easier to make enemies than allies. And I'd rather make an ally than an enemy. So if we're ever going to get ahead of this actual thing, we have to work with them. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't like them, even if you don't agree with them, you have to work with with them that's where the collective idea that, comes from and yeah. that's the thing is right now but this is this is the generation that we're in and the collective i like i like being in this together i like thinking that people have my back and going forward but in the age of social media where everybody control and slam everybody in the age of agencies where people are racing to that bottom they're killing the collective they're yeah, killing the they brotherhood are. and the thing is one thing i will employ trades guys if you're on instagram to do if you think about you're going to drop a negative comment on someone's wall, just don't. Just yeah. don't. Instead, find something positive and go after that. Because guess what? That guy's in it. You're in it. You're in the same industry. Like Jim Nobody's said. Nobody's perfect. There's enough food out here for everybody to eat. Let's go eat. Let's go eat together. Let's be the collective. Does that also okay, go for so the guys on TV? <laughs> What's that? Does that also go for the guys on TV? Listen, if if, if the guys on TV <laughs> want to come out and they want to help and they actually want to swing, not a sledge. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. If they want to help. If you guys want to help, I'll take the help. Sure. You know? I but just spoke to an architect yesterday, Dan and I, and about another project. And they asked our background and... And the client said, oh, yeah, I remember Jim. And then Dan goes, yeah, I had a show. Da, 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 da. And the architect came right out. She goes, yeah, we had a friend that worked on your, your buddy's show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and he was a tradesman. And he came right out and said, he goes, fucking garbage. Every, everything is made up. Garbage. Yep. All scripted, everything else, right? And so, and maybe what they're doing is they're taking good marketing opportunities from us because right. then people see that and then they think, oh, a bathroom only takes thirty minute episode. Oh, this, oh that. Like it's, we're trying to fix the education side of it so that eventually, again, we can water the trees so it blooms and it blossoms. But that's what that was supposed to do yeah. when I started. Yeah, and that was the only reason why I went. But on. it shifted into the individual. and then it shifted five years later. It shifted because into it became show thing. business. And by yeah. the way, that that I think is the life cycle of TV shows. Yeah, I think that's the life cycle. Just like we talked about the life cycle of a tradesman, that is the life cycle of of those shows. And what, you know, what drives me crazy about these individuals, though, is that they have the platform. So they, they got have, the platform. So they, if yeah. they wanted to, they can take their balls out. 
put it on the table, go to the networks and go, this is the show that I want to make. I See, want to inspire tradespeople. They don't have to worry about people. making money anymore. Yes. They've made You don't money. have to, but they don't. They just don't. Because I, would, I, would, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, like out of all of them, and hats off to them, they've done well. Where would they be now without a show? What kind of a contractor would they be if they never had a show? You want me to be honest? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking the question. I'm just saying. I mean, I know where a couple of them would be. But That's exactly it. And I also asked the same question. I think in, I don't know what, how many podcasts back is like, if you had the opportunity, would you hire them to come on your job site, Jim? Would you hire them to work right beside you? They, the camera crew or their sub trades or them, the person, would you get them standing beside you laying bricks, Mark? Would you get them standing beside you talking to a client? Me personally? No. I'd rather choose a tradesperson. Yeah. I'd rather choose a person that I connect with, that I know, that I deal with, and I've seen their work. I'd rather deal with them instead of them. Right. That's just I me. mean, you know what? Probably in their head, they know what should be done. I would just like to see their actual physical labor of it all, if they can actually That's a do it. Right? We, we went off track here. Off track. So <laughs> where I wanted to say, we're talking about social media. Do you think the problem with construction now and with Instagram and everything else, maybe all these, all of us that are on Instagram only worry about our numbers on Instagram. Oh, for sure. I think it's, I think it's definitely like we don't really like, that's the reason we're doing it. You know, here, look, I'm doing this. I mean, if we do a post making, and it gets a, hardly any kind of engagement or interaction. We were devastated for the day. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm too old to be feeling that way. That if it's a bad post, right. I'd rather share something that's happened in my construction life. than and we're, and I don't even care about the numbers at that point. Yeah. So I actually, um, Big shout out to Mike from Greenstone. Yeah. He put me onto this. And, you know, I was posting like, I, I started posting like, you know, one sentence like posts. That's how I started. And then I started doing videos of work that we were doing. And then, you know, I started reading his posts and we sort of talked about, you know, what you have to think about, again, what image you want to portray. Like your company is operating as a separate entity of you. What do you want to do? Do you want to go, hey, just laid these bricks. On to the next one. Like, is that is that all you want to say? Or do you want to go in? Do you want to start, you know, talking about your actual experience and why this is good and all that other stuff? And so I actually started doing that. And I got more responses back, but now I'm creating content. Yes. I'm not posting. I'm creating content. And this is a, another layer as the, you know, modern construction worker, as you will, has to think about. It, especially if you're going to run a business because the millennials and the Gen Z's that are coming up as they, you know, they're going to look on Instagram. Yeah. And here's just a little side note agencies. I asked them about some of the pictures that they do post and they aren't from the pros. They aren't from people that they're from photo banks and they put them on the post stock? and they, right. really yeah, they're stock they're photography. Stock, they're stock it's fake. It's that fake. I didn't even know. Yeah. So I asked, I asked, I said, hey, that's a really nice room. Can your pros actually produce that? Now, they don't know who I am, but they're like, no, actually, like, and then they kind of give me a little bit of a runner. I said, no, no, no. I'm asking if I wanted that exact thing, 
Can I get Can that? I get that? Can your pros produce that? And they said, no. That's actually a stock photographer. And I go, from what photographer? And they go, this photographer. And I go, okay, from this photographer, is he on your payroll? And they said, no. And I said, okay. So what you're doing is, again, you're producing. Misrepresenting. You're misrepresenting it. So then when, uh, a cl- uh, when somebody who doesn't know better thinks. Go, thinks that's what they can produce, and then they go there, and then they ask, and then it just... Again, it waters down, race to zero, creates this thing. Jim, back to your point about social media. Too many people are more concerned about how this is going to get reacted to benefit them instead of actually sharing information voluntarily. Just like voluntarily, man. Like I've done my share of posts where I fucked up and I shared something and I was like, this is how it happened. I own it and this is how I'm fixing it. Yeah. And it, it got received well. Other ones didn't get received well because everybody just wants the glitz and glam. And as long as the numbers keep on hitting right and everybody, to your point, they want to photograph it perfectly. What they keep forgetting, and I've told this to so many people that have reached out to me about, give me some insights, some tips on how can I market myself or what can I do on social media to get my numbers up and stuff like that. And I just say, be you. Yeah. Who you are on site is who you should be online. Yeah. And also... Another thing too, like, and I think we touched base on this a little bit with um, the last conversation we had, Jim, you hope to work as a contractor for maybe five good clients in, 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 in your, in your, in your, in the span of your life. Like, for example, I hope, you know, to work for Jim, to work for you, I got room for three other guys. And then beyond that, I'm going to be double booking mm-hmm. realistically. Right. Like I only have so much time during the year. So why do I need 10,000 followers? It's ego. That's like, my that, point. That's it's ego. Is it's like, I'm going to work for five guys max who are going to just continue to push me and feed the one, me The work. one reason you need those 10,000 followers is because you have an obligation, and Jim's really good at this. You need to pass the knowledge forward. 100%. You need to share what you've experienced with others. And I think that, again, ties it all back into the education. That knowledge is not passing on to the next generation. And that's something that we're seeing just sort of disappear. And we're trying to figure out, you know, it was so um, prevalent with us when we were coming up. Why is that disappearing? Why is that turning into a shadow? And, you know, how can we sort of bring it back to life? And why are the people that it would benefit most not investing in this? These are great questions, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's at the heart of it. And I think, you know, add to that, that you have passions. Also, like speaking about like round tables and stuff like that, we're lucky because we have a collective. We know each other, thank God. And, you know, we're able to have these conversations. Trade shows aren't happening World of Concrete isn't happening. All trade these shows were losing their luster to begin with. When I went to the first trade show 10 years ago, it was a fountain of knowledge, man. Like I had so many questions. I was there for five days. I was just absorbing everything. And then during the course of those 10 years, I went to nine international shows, man, before everybody was jumping on the social media wagon and going there. And all they cared about when they got there was about group getting together right. and group photos and all that. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be an ass or anything like that. I'm actually here to speak Get to educated. certain people to yeah. educate. That's what I'm here for. And so the trade shows are losing it. The round table needs to come back. And I don't know if there's any other ways that we can do that. If it's like, you know, we pimp out Jim to come onto Jim's <laughs> job sites, other people and go, listen, Jim, give this guy two cents because he's really desperate in need of how to solve this situation. I think webinars 
are, are a thing nowadays just because of they like are. COVID and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, once this passes, which it will, I think that there needs to be some sort of space or convention, even if it starts out small, just so people know they're not alone. Because I oh, think yeah. that what happens again in these agencies, race to zeros, lack of marketing, education, taking us out, us aging and so on and so forth. You don't think you're going to make it because you don't think somebody else is going through the same stuff. But then luckily, you know, you might meet like a mentor like you or Jim or Mike and stuff like that. And then they start sort of feeding you this knowledge and it kind of kicks you back up. And like me as a young guy at 32, I got a lot of gas for like a lot of years. But the thing is, when I find somebody who has a good point of relation and also like a lot of knowledge that they share with me, that gasses me up more and I keep going. Yeah. Julio works for me, so he's Modern Times Construction. The best question that he asked me, and he probably asked me this question all the time, like maybe six or seven times during the day, he always preempts it just by saying, let me ask you a question. <laughs> and I love hearing that. It could be yeah. around the corner. It could be I'm outside. It could be over a text. Let me ask you a question. I actually love that. I think it's great. I, I think that's yeah. amazing. And I think that's why I, like, yeah, I enjoy guys like yourself reaching out and asking me stuff and whether I have the answer or not, you know, it helps, it helps me too. It gets me thinking, but it, you know, again, if I can, you know, give any advice or give, you know, help the situation, I mean, I love, I love doing it. I mean, it's, it's the least I can do for what I've, the industry has yeah. been good for me, good to, you know, for me and it's, it's been good to me. And, um, yeah. And it's yeah. also been good, I think also to like a lot of people, but if you don't see it visually, you know, like if the parents don't see, you know, Jim Carrick of Carrick Hall Homes or Peter Gilligan of Mattamy or something like that, yeah. when you look at that guy, you go, there's no way that guy is in construction, but Peter actually went to, you know, electricians and stuff like that and learned. He started and He somewhere. started. Yeah. He, he actually used to live up the street from me. Really? Yeah, in Oakville. He's a he's yeah. a CA, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he did is he actually invested in the properties, went out and actually sat down with the trades guys, his electrician, and said, and "Why are you doing that? Yeah. Why are you doing that?" And he actually understood about it. So I have a, I have a lot of respect for this guy. But again, they see people at the end of their career. So I think the parents need to see what the life cycle looks like at the end so that they can stop thinking you're just going to be, like I said, like a prize fighter fighting the rest of your life. See, and there you go. You can take out. it that you can take, it, you know, that one step further here. You got a parent that is a business person. Your son, your daughter now doesn't want to go to university, but wants to start a business in construction. Well, here's your chance to, you know, to help your kids shine. Yeah. You're already a business person. Let them do construction, but now help them grow a business. Yeah, which right. is a huge stumbling block for a lot right. of people. I mean, you know, let's face it. For mo I mean, for me, I didn't understand business. No. I just dove into it and took the lumps and hallelujah. Still learning it, but trying to get parents involved. I mean, maybe that's another way to, to spin it and say, hey, you are already you're, You are a business man, business person, whatever. Help your kid create a business. They don't want to go and... Go to the office. Take your knowledge and apply it to construction now help and educate them, them. Grow a business. Let me ask you both how do you think tradespeople today, the 20s, the 30 year olds, want to consume their knowledge? Do they want to read it either in a book? Do they want to read it online? Do they want to attend a webinar? Do they want to go to a trade show? Do they want to attend a roundtable? Do they want to have a one on one mentorship? 
How do you think it's going to resonate to them the best? My experience so far is if they can't get it here, mm -hmm. most of them, but then there's the chosen few that want to learn one-on-one -on -one yeah. and, you know, put the phone away and okay, you know, Jim, why are we doing this? Or our guys, you know, Darren or Al or Rick, whoever's on our site, you know, they'll, they'll ask, Hey, why are you doing that? Show me, show me. So and all it goes, these guys, it goes yeah. back to the school. It goes back to a, a school. It goes like on the job training, yeah. apprenticeship training. Yeah. Right. But there's only so many but gyms. There's only, but there's only so many that I've found. Like, you're a perfect exception. You're hungry. You want to learn. You know, and then, you know, we had, when we had Jesse in here, like, say, like, you guys are rare, man. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, to be this age, and then Jesse's only 25. Yeah. And, and like, he's hungry. He's, you know, he's got a framing you know, outfit going on and it's the I, passion, that's a passion, you know, but if there was more like you and, and maybe you're the guys that have to get your generation. And I think there are, I think we just don't know about them. They're staying the quiet right why now. They, why we don't know about them is because the access isn't being granted to them. And maybe that's what it is. Because the thing is Jesse, like, he's like, I'm not that good at school. I wasn't either until I took the framing program and then I hit a 90 on that and I graduated with honors. Why? Because I took the framing program, not because I took maths and sciences and physics. I learned that later. You yeah. know what I mean? So going back to Mike, you, you reached out to Mike from Greenstone who yeah. was on the show. You heard the show and then you reached out to him. You talked to him. You got along and then he invited you to his site. Yep. You volunteered your time yep. and you started learning and yep. then you guys started working together. Yeah. Why is everybody not doing that or offering that on social media come yeah. on my job site i've had so many guys reach out to me and we've had coffees they came by and they've come by and we, we talked and we had an espresso and we started talking and we had a about an hour long meeting right there on the job site why can't more of us do so that? you know what here you go let's you know we're thinking thinking of round tables this and that why don't we do we we should come up with you know we have this platform here and everything else quarterly we find a place somewhere, mm -hmm. we rent the hall, mm -hmm. everybody's got to cough up whatever, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, you know, to pay for the hall, pay for some food, and we just get in there and just start shooting the shit and, yeah. and figure it out. 100%. And then you get a, a bunch of like-minded individuals together. I'm struggling with this. You're struggling with this. I'm not alone in this. I was thinking about going this route. I wouldn't go that route. You know, I would talk to this guy, talk to this guy, see yeah. this guy. And the thing is, I think the... In, like I'd see huge value in that because I'm in the industry. But then what you do is I would be very inclined if I knew somebody who was also a trades guy to be like, Hey, you know, like, why don't um, you come, why don't you come out to this and just talk to these guys and just mm -hmm. see, see what yeah. it's all about, you know, grant you an audience and it costs you 25 bucks and you get to shoot the shit with some like-minded individuals. I think that would be really, really good. And then it can grow to that sort of, not exponentially, but maybe it can grow to the, you know, same kind of way that you were talking before, where now you have parents and kids. That would be another really good thing is parents and kids one night Bring come them. out. Yeah. Come out, meet pros in the, in the trade field and just, you know, hear what they have to say about education, money making, good idea. this type of mm -hmm. stuff. Because now what you do is you get to inspire the parents who actually might even be looking for a career in the trades. And you now inspire the kid because he's going 
you know what? I never even thought about that. Instead of getting, you know, people who are like, oh, you know, if it's a backstop, I'll just go work for construction and, you know, that'll just kind of be my life. It's not a backstop industry. It's a very thriving industry. It has a lot of potential, has a lot of potential to be good, not just for yourself and your community and stuff, but also your country and going forward. There's a sure. patriotic. Well, it's there. the economy like here. And the economy, especially in this. In, so what you know, would you do, Jim? You bring what, two of each trade? Three? I think I think the first one would just let's see who's all coming, and you know, sure to be a free for all and everything else. But then we, then we can kind of figure out the first night how we, how you know the next time we do it, how do we break it down into different things, or you know, or people bring their questions, and you know, we obviously we are only going to have so many, so much time for different things, but it's a learning process like yeah. anything. So let's you know let first, I think the first one is see how many show up. We'll find out what interest we have. You know, we can all kind of figure it out. Then the next one will be another three months away. And then we just kind of organize still, it. Right? Still, still keep it intimate. Like we don't get I, into I think, thousands yeah, of people. No, no. I think, you know, we start off like at 50, yeah. like we did the first round table and I just think, work from there. I think you got your list from, um, you know, the TCL podcast you could do like a reunion oh, yeah, tour for sure like you could you could just reach out to guys who you know want to share their knowledge and like to talk and then it's like oh yeah you know like i know that you mentioned uh, i mentioned for me and you're like oh i should talk to dgr for you yeah. and stuff like that like i'd love to meet him that type of george stuff. george yeah oh, you know george too you spoke I, I just spoke to him yesterday oh, okay so we just uh we just gave him uh, or i just gave him a job so hopefully he can do it He's doing that massive uh, ICF job, like yeah. stupid, and he's got another forty thousand square foot and coming up. I know, crazy. Holy cow! Crazy. I think it's yeah. a family of two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's funny. He's funny. No, I, he's I've never great. met him. Oh, he's super nice. I just, I've just. He's met super him nice. You'll get along, him. even though he's Portuguese. You'll get along. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Jim and I have been talking about this forever, and we're just trying to figure out what's going on and how to do it. And obviously, we got to deal with the pandemic and how it's going to pull off. But I mean, as soon as we get the green light, we go. Yeah. Let's just do this. Yeah. And start paying it forward. Start educating. Start sharing. Just and it's really like you said, Mark. It's just about introducing you to you. And you got a question, ask them a question and learn. learn. That's all it is. It man. creates a really non-ego like atmosphere. I think that's another thing that is really difficult to overcome in this day and age too, is when you're like a young 20 something year old and you're going to go ask somebody for help. You know, you want to do it all yourself. I know I had to overcome that, you know, especially with Mike too. Like not everybody reaches out to Mike for me to come out with my skill set and my background in education. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to learn something from this guy and to just sort of humble myself and continue to go forward. And that's another, but that's an obstacle in itself. I think for the younger generation too, is like, definitely come yeah. in, humble yourself. You're there to learn something. You're not there to make millions and millions of dollars. That'll come. It was put to me very, very simply by um, one of my mentors, uh, Jeff over at Meadowbrook Construction. He said, you know, Mark, one of the issues with sort of the generation coming up is they look at my house yeah. that I've worked they for. They want that now. And they want that no. at 26. Yeah, and they don't realize what I had to do to get there. Yeah. And again, I've been very fortunate with the mentors. I've seeked them out. I've tapped them for information. I've asked them questions. I've developed myself around that. Anybody who had like a couple words for me here and there, like Jeff, and it just really changes your world. And I'm saying, there are guys like me. There are guys like Jesse that are out there. They're just untapped potential. Yep. And all you have to do is you have to make, we've lost the road. We need to recreate that access again. I think that's yep. the best thing. 
you know. For sure. It's an uphill battle, but we're in but construction. But it doesn't have to be an up. It doesn't, doesn't have to be an uphill battle. With the government getting involved? Well, with the government, that's always going to be an uphill battle. <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, you know, our, uh, building, your, you know building your company, building your brand, should, it, no, yeah, you shouldn't it's, look it's at going uphill, but I don't think it needs to be a battle. It's, 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 I know, but you and Dan talked about it on the show where you guys were like, a partnership is better. So actually speaking to other tradespeople, the brotherhood and getting answers and diving into what problems they may have come up. They may be very, very similar to the problems you're going through right now. Yeah. They might give you some insight on how to solve that, that you would never have thought if you were on your own. Yeah. So like you said, Mark, humble yourself, get the ego out of the equation and ask the questions. Yeah. That's really important in construction. That's how we move forward. Well, yeah. it's the only way you learn. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, construction is a learning every day. Is every learned. day. Every day you're learning something, whether you're looking at the same thing you've done, you know, for 40 years, Maybe that day, 40 years later, you're going to learn something. Oh, why didn't I do this 40 years ago? I made <laughs> so true, man. Yeah. Mark, you got a whole notebook there. Did we cover everything? I got some questions for Jim. Oh, there you go. Shoot them. I got, I got, I got some questions for the Jim. The questions, not Jim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a couple a of years. Of speech, so I have to it's a figure ministry. of speech, Jim. It's a figure of speech. Shoot them. <laughs> I guess like one of the questions as, as a young guy... Coming up, building a business and stuff like that, what job gave you the momentum to start going, okay, you know what? I'm ready to start taking on bigger jobs. And like, what did that feel? Do you remember what that felt like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, were you scared? Were you excited? Scared you... shitless. Okay. Scared shitless. I actually told Joe this story and he goes, no way. I go, yeah, this is my first job. I started out doing home improvements and all that kind of thing. So, you know, aluminum work, this, that, windows. And then we were doing like some small imp home improvement on this house. The guy says, can you build me a 12 by 12 edition? I said, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have a clue, but yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. It was 20 grand. And I thought that 20 grand was like $20 million. Do you know how refreshing it is? For me to hear this, I don't think you. What understand. are you nervous at, Mark? A hundred grand? Sorry, are me? You I'm. I I get nervous up around. I'd say around a hundred grand. Yeah, anything above a hundred grand, I start looking at going. Okay, maybe I'm a little high here. What is it something. that you said, Jim? Like it's twenty. It's twenty. It's a hundred. It's the same. It's just yeah. more of. Yeah. That's it. No, well, uh, and, and but again. I know, but I know what you're saying. So yeah, that that I shit myself. We we got it done. Learned a ton. Didn't make a penny. But what an unbelievable learning experience. But once you hit that one, and you're, I know that's your attitude, the next one will be, okay, well, now I'm, I can do 25000 oh, not a yeah, problem. Yeah, you know? yeah. But then it just goes, it goes, it goes, it goes. Yeah. I mean, we just priced that one was like $2.6 million. There you go. I said, Dan, you want to look at that? He goes, no, no, it's fine. And, I, had a, I, had a I mean, not, and I'm not saying that to say, hey, this is what we do. Because there's other ones. I just did one yesterday for 150000 It becomes a number. You will, be, you will become, it'll become so easy because you'll know, and this all just comes with experience. You'll just know, okay, you know, I'm at the right number because I know how long it took me to do this. Now I got three times that. So obviously it's this much more. It just, it's just become second nature. Do you do, do that, that too? You calculate your numbers and all of a sudden still go backtrack thinking, wait a minute, am I right? Or am I if, on par? When I do my, it's, it's hilarious. I still old school. 
mm. type of calculator. I do that. Uh, I write down. I have a notebook for that. I measure <laughs> off. You know, I make do all my square footages. Yep. Do everything. Yep. I got shit everywhere yep. here. <laughs> you're making and, like little tick yeah, notes. And you're like, oh fuck, where's that piece of paper? Everywhere. <laughs> Good. Like, I, thought, I, I thought we were the only ones. No, 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 no. So Dan I, and I, I, I first started, you know, he goes. Well, just check Jim. Jim's got notes written everywhere yeah. on the drawings. Everything. Right? <laughs> They're actually benefiting from that because they right. go, "Oh fuck, where's that?" And then you look at it and you go, "Oh, it's right here." And yeah, that, yeah I, I do, I do the all same my thing. square, but like you know, yeah, you were asking about bricks and stuff like that. I will measure the whole wall, and then I'll put whatever the square yeah, the footage is because and... I know it's either six or seven bricks depending on the size per square foot, and then I just highlight it. Yeah. You know, 250 square feet here. And then yeah. I go to the next elevation. And they just do it. Same thing I do for tiles. I do for all that stuff. We have to do that. I, to I, do I learned that from electricians. When they gave me their quote, I looked at their quote and everything was dissected per receptacle, per switch, per light. I was like, yeah. why can't I do that for every department? Yeah. And then I started doing that for every department. And that's how I was getting my numbers. But I, I double, sometimes triple check the numbers to see if I'm still yeah. in where I'm supposed to be. And this is where the but, number is. But saying that, in a lot of cases now when, you know, you're up into the bigger numbers, like as a GC, as a general contractor, I mean, we're covering the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So we get your price, his mm -hmm. price, this, this, this. It's a budget. Like yeah. nobody knows on a $3 million job exactly. if we're yeah. going to be $3 million. Like no one knows. So it's really boils down to the budget and, you know, what are fees going to be? Because that's all they're worried about. They're worried about, well, what are we paying Jim? <laughs> yeah. like, we don't want to pay him. I also, look, <laughs> I've, I also, I'll also say I'm very fortunate to have looked at a few jobs that you've sent our way. I'm very appreciative of that. For me, even if I don't get it, going through the practice of just doing that breakdown, Learning. seeing that job, yeah. seeing what that number looks like, eventually when you see that number, you're going to hit that number. Yep. And that's the thing. Like for me, when I first started out, like five grand was a big number. And then I hit my first 20 and then all of a sudden 60 and then I'm going, okay, that's fine. And then it became 80, a hundred. And then I had clients that we used to do like a hundred, 200,000 for a year of, of business. And I'm going, okay. And then one guy calls me and he's like, the budget for this is 300 K. And I went, I'm going to just digress a little because the risk on that is a little bit too high for me at this stage. So I'm just going to be a hundred percent transparent and say, Thank you. But Good for I, you. And, and that's yeah. the thing is like, you know, cause at the end of the day, I like putting my best foot forward. I'll give you a price. I'll do all that. But you know, it needs to get done at the end of the day. And I just want to be as transparent and integral as I can. My advice to you would be if you want to get into those bigger jobs, I mean, I wouldn't start hiring and hiring more employees. I would start to working with like you're doing now yep start working with other guys that are you know one two-man shows and say okay let's partner up on this job so i actually learned this concept from you indirectly and i know i'm giving you a lot of compliments here and it's not to kiss your ass it's just the truth it's how it is <laughs> so <laughs> i thought like when i heard of care call and i started thinking about that i and you were like you know we've had guys for 20 years on our team and it was at that moment it clicked and i was like why are we as tradesmen these days trying to take everybody else down and create like a division in individuals? Because when you look at you, when you look at Madame, these guys operate as teams. Yeah. Yeah. They operate as guys that are a collective together. They understand what that looks like. So again, it, it goes right back to that first point. If you're going to chop somebody else out, don't. 
because you're going to need that guy at some point. And the thing is, you achieve more together. Like if we're going to steamroll this into the education and start using this platform and going forward, it's going to have to, ha it's not going to just be me. It's going to be a collective of people that are sure. going to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think there's, there's a huge point to be made about that. Another question that I had is, when did you feel the full business was like finally starting to come together? Was it a year? Was it jobs? Was it the profits? Was it you sat in your office one night and you just went, you know what? Holy shit. Like, you know, that, that looking back at the line kind of thing that we talked about. I started, okay. I worked for the union for 15 years. So that took me into seven, 80, 88. I was born then. 88. <laughs> And uh, so I started my, I, I had already out. started the company, I had already started the Kara Group actually in 81, just doing small shit, but still working. And then, um, you know, the, the late 80s, the 90s, shit hit the fan. Didn't lose anything. I, I, was, I went on my own, so I had the, the recession. The recession, so I had the struggle, but I made it through. So in answer to your question, I think it was probably 99 2000 just when the show when this when I was asked to do the show about two years before that I was just started to you know because 95 96 97 we just started to go like this started to grow then I finally learned how to take a wage not like everybody does it you know slam it all to take out what you need yeah. and then figure it out at the end of the year I actually said I want to make I'll tell you what I wanted to make. I said, I want to make $20,000 a month. I want to take out $20,000 a month. I want to make a quarter of a million dollars a year. I started doing that. You told yourself that in 97? I just said, you know what? I'm slamming all this money in. I'm not, you know, I, I, I have no, I, I'm not drawing There's no rhyme a wage, reason. right? I'm not, I said, I want to draw a wage from my company, even though I own it. So I know where I'm going. So that was my number. I wanted to take $20,000 a month. So I started doing that. I started paying my tax on it. I started doing this. So, you know, so roughly it's a quarter of a million dollars a year. That's when I knew. Okay. I finally done it. Figured it out. And then I just stayed like that. Then, you know, and that's why I like to say real renos did not make me. No. I was already established. I was already you know, I had a, had a great business going. Yeah, sure. Did it help in marketing? Yeah. I'm not going to say it didn't. It, it, it helped because back then, you know, we needed some marketing, but I was already doing very well for a, for a contractor. In order to, in answer to your question is when I was finally able to say, there I go, cut Take a, wage. a wage and took that wage for years. Good for you. So then I knew. Then I knew it was there. Now, it, has there been rough times after, you know, after that? For sure there was. But again, it's the mentality. You just keep it there. You know you have to make a wage, even if you got to draw your wage down. I, and I say this to everybody. I wish I did it right at the beginning. Start paying yourself a wage, regardless of what it is. Every week or every two weeks, whatever you want to do, but pay your tax on it. Don't wait till the end of the year. Do it 
every two weeks or do it every month, however you want to do it. But don't wait till the end of the year to get your accountant to figure out what you made, but only show that I only made 10000 yeah. while you're living in a half million dollar house. That yeah. it doesn't work. It's not going to help you get ahead. Yeah. yeah. That's my accountant said to me, he goes, Jim, you have to be, it's time you're an outstanding citizen <laughs> and you need to start paying. You got to pay what, to play. You got to pay yeah. to play. And once that happened, you know, then I could go borrow money to do a house, to do this, do that, do that. It's, it's it created a different sort of stance on the sure company and who you yeah. are as a citizen and stuff like that instead of just being like, but I make all this money. And they're like, yeah, but you don't show, show it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think that's a completely different podcast. That's something. That, that's something you know, else. But I mean, there's two different kinds of contractors out there. There's oh, a yeah. contractor that makes no money, according to the tax man. Yeah. And then there's a contractor and I, that makes I, a lot know, of money. And I understood that concept that, you know, the, the first couple of years when I was doing it. But then if I, you know, I said, like, if I really want to get ahead... I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. I have to create a business. I have yes. to draw a wage. I have to pay tax. The last one that I got is, what would you say if you could narrow it down to three? What are your three passions in life? Does it have to be construction? It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have to be construction. What, like, what, what makes... I, I know this is a really broad question, but like, I'm trying to figure out like, what makes up the genetic makeup of like Jim Carrick. I love to create. You love to create. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I mean, that right now in my head, I already have my next house visioned in my head how it's going to be. And hopefully with all this, if the market, I mean, I wouldn't mind starting this fall. But I already know what I want. I already know how I'm going to finish it inside. So that is my passion. That's, you know, what I love to do. After that, it's probably getting on the hog. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the hog was going to be there somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, flying around Mossport if I can. <laughs> do you already have sketches for the house? Do you doodle? Do you like doodle? Do you? Uh, I don't you... doodle. I go, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll drive, I'll walk, I'll do whatever. And if I see something, I'll you'll make a note. I'll you'll make a, a note. note. Yeah. yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. I create a photo album, yeah. and all of a sudden, I'm like, this is a nice detail. I like this idea. I would change this a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last house I did was kind of out of my comfort zone, a little bit more transitional. I'm very, I was very traditional, but now I'm starting to, I mean, I doubt I'll ever go to the modern side. The full glass like metal. Like contemporary. No, yeah. no. I don't no. see that in, yeah. You know, so I, but I like to put, you know, I like to tie traditional, a little transitional, a little contemporary all in one. Mm -hmm. You know, work it that way. But I want to use, but I love using reclaimed stuff. Mm -hmm. So this one I want to use, I mean, if I can, I'd like that, you know, lack of a better word, that yellow old reclaimed brick like you see downtown. That's, if I can do that, that's what I want to do. And then just with, you know, kind of the New York studio black windows in mm -hmm. it and, and that kind of thing. Nice. Okay. What's the third out. one? Going around the track. Oh, going yeah, around go the track. track. All, has to, with, hug, all has to do with speed. <laughs> yeah, it has to be with some speed. That's cool. Yeah. Anything else there, Mark? Well, I got a whole section on. 
<laughs> we got to wrap this up. No, we got to wrap it up, man. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, man, and always getting into the inside of these kids, right? That's, yeah. No, they're kids fun. to me, too, man. They're like, I could still be their parent. I don't want to be their parent, but I could be their parent. Uh, I'm not responsible enough, man. Uh, no, thanks so much, Mark, honestly. And no so, problem. again, you find you on IG at Craig Moore Construction. Craig Moore Construction, yeah. Yeah. And then Jim, Jim Carrick, and then Carrick Hall. Caracol, yeah. And then myself, Hardcore Reynolds, and I don't know. I, this was a good talk, man. This was a great talk. This we talked a good, bunch yeah. of stuff, but I, I love that, Mark. You brought up the stigmas. The stigmas attached to so many levels of construction here. Statman. 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 So, <laughs> that's, okay. ama- that's amazing for a guy your age to have all that. Oh, like, when I first met him, he brought up a bunch like, of stats. He's the great. guy that I told you about where he looked and he found bricklayers were at 57. This is going to be a hole here. The average age of a bricklayer. And you're, that not was, gonna, you're not going to be a bricklayer for long. No. I can see that. <laughs> no, no. You can see it. There's I'd say by the time you're 40, you'll be doing something else. You probably, you know, in the business, but you'll be a spokesperson for sure. <sighs> Got to change knows? it. Got to change it. Maybe you'll be running our association, man. Who knows? I love, I love my, I love my hands. I love, I love my stonework. I, I just, there's something about like, chiseling i didn't get into this masons are uh there's a lot there's brick block and stone um there's also refractory and restoration and sculpting i think that you should be as proficient as you can in everything Mm. um i really like stone because you can put a lot of square footage up in a day and it looks really good and it's timeless yeah um and i'm actually going to be uh starting to learn how to do uh lettering and stone carving pretty soon because i yeah Yeah. because i again dying love it I know I follow a couple guys. They do some really beautiful work. JB, JB Stoneworks, A Welch. He's out, he's located out in Toronto. And uh, I've actually just recently uh, reached out to a guy in Switzerland who does a bunch of Carrera Marble stuff. And we're actually chatting right now. And um, a Scottish uh, mason called the Ginger Mason. She's actually restoring Lincoln Cathedral right now. Oh, and wow. I've, I've talked to her about the schooling that she does, the books that she reads and how they sort of view the trades. And, and that's enough, that's something that we could actually take and remodel down here. But I think that's just another subject matter, but it would be really interesting to sort of meet these people. Maybe one day I'll get a chance to travel. So, you know, that's Sweet. old, old school. Yeah. Seriously. Old yeah. school. That's where it all started. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got to get out of here, man. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Thank you. And we'll see what happens on the next show. All All right. right. We'll figure it out. All right. (laughs) Chop, chop. Ciao. (laughs) Ciao.